0: Not one, but two constitutions. Welcome to episode 87 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Anthony Samroff, and Tom Laird, who is in London right now in the build-up to an event called A Day for Freedom, which I believe is organised by Tony Robinson, him of much infamy. Wikipedia says he's a right-wing activist, whatever right-wing means these days, But one way or another, he is putting on an event featuring Milo Yiannopoulos, Rahim, Kassam, Lauren Southern, Count Dankula, Sargon of Akkad, himself, Gavin McInnes, and apparently more speakers. I don't know if I will make it down. I would like to make it down, but I don't know if I will. I am, of course, just back from New York City, where I had an uncanny opportunity to meet the one and only Dr. Tom Woods. We went out for a nice dinner at an Italian restaurant. Him, me and a friend of mine. He just happened to be flying in the day before I left. So that was really, really lucky. While I was there, I also had the very pleasurable opportunity of meeting a bunch of you guys. Seven or eight people who have listened to the show over the course of the time I was in New York came out to meet me. And that is just like super flattering and just really amazing. What you're getting today is our appearance last week on the show Liberty Weekly, which we were kindly offered to participate in by the gracious host, Patrick McFarlane. Enjoy.
1: Hello, friends. Patrick McFarlane here coming at you with another episode of the Liberty Weekly podcast. This episode is episode 70, and we have a few guests on today. That is Anthony Samerhoff and Tom Laird from the Scottish Liberty podcast, and I'm so sure. excited to welcome you guys on. Um, how you, how's it going today?
2: it's going good man it's good the weather's good uh feeling
3: groovy yeah the, the weather is good i have barely slept and um, for some unknown reason but i'm on top farm on adrenaline to be on the liberty weekly podcast i'm glad that your show exists uh, and it's great how you signpost people to what's going on in liberty each week
1: yeah i appreciate that man and um yeah, I heard about I heard you guys maybe like a year and a half ago from the Tom Woods show. So I mean, that really your appearances really make waves, you know.
3: What did you find out about us from the Tom Woods show? We haven't had anyone, we haven't had anyone come in from Tom Woods show before. Yeah, right. <laughs> we would have like no career if it wasn't for Tom Woods. Seriously, Yeah. yeah. Uh, a good good three quarters sure of Uncle Tom. Uh, Uncle Tom, yeah, the uh, good three quarters of our listenership or maybe more, uh, discovered us through Tom Woods. So, I yeah, we will hem a lot.
1: Hell, yeah. And, I mean, so my favorite thing, and I've said in the show, is meeting uh, Liberty folks from across the world. And I have a special place in my heart for Scotland because my mom's side of the family is Scottish. And, um, yeah, so I just – I was – one of the big reasons why I wanted to get you on is because I had an American legal history class in school and we spent most of it studying British law and British history. But I'm sure we'll get into that. But first I just wanted to ask you guys, like you just want to tell your Liberty stories and how you decided to start the show. Okay. You go first.
3: Well, I hatched out of an egg as a libertarian. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) No, uh, basically I was, in modern terms, you would have said I was a progressive growing up. Although we don't use that word in the UK eh, in the 2000s, so I wasn't like a full-blown commie or anything like that. I believed in a market economy, but I believed in a he- heavily regulated market economy with, you know, workers' rights and safety nets and all that stuff. But I wouldn't say that I had a very cardboard view of the world because I definitely saw, say, the Democratic Party and the Republican party is two heads of the same dragon, even though under the Bush era, I thought the Republicans were slightly worse. I was believed in that time that there was a movement towards some kind of awakening, like some global awakening because of the anti-war protests and the stuff about the Patriot Act that was going on in the the internet at that time. Of course, when Obama came to power, I discovered that that was really more about being anti-right than anti-war in any um, consistent way. So, I guess disillusioned by that and the appearance of Ron Paul on the scene, i have been making some political videos on YouTube from a sort of left-of-centre angle and uh, a bunch of libertarians gate crashed my YouTube channel and started arguing with me. And over the course of two or three years, I went down the rabbit hole of uh, libertarian YouTube videos and gradually, gradually, gradually migrated. So I didn't have a conversion experience. Uh, I just ran out of excuses not to become a full libert- full blown libertarian.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, it just goes to show that what we do on the internet actually does change some things.
3: Mm. Uh, well, yeah, if people are looking for good information, I think sometimes with our shows, not always, but sometimes what I would like to do is provide a resource that if someone gets in an argument with their lefty friend, they can say, watch this podcast and maybe it'll come in useful. sometime. Yeah. I don't know. Other ones are just very entertaining for us.
1: Yeah. I'm always always a big believer that you you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But so you have to have the horse be willing to drink. So Mm -hmm. that's what my show is, I guess, too. Yeah, but what what about you, Tom? Yeah. I'm
2: always willing to drink. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can attest to that. (laughs) Yeah. Um I guess I came quite late to the Libertarian party, so to speak. Um I my in my youth, my motivations politically were staunch anti-communism and uh, a belief in Scottish independence. That was that was the two main focuses of, of my political uh, agitation. And that hatred of communism kind of drove me into the extreme right. So I was involved in the extreme right for a while. I was, involved in, I, I was actually a member of the Scottish National Party at one time, but because I believed in independence, but that party took a massive swing to the left somewhere around the, the, the 80s, mid, uh, early 80s. And I thought, okay, uh, that's the, this is, this is this party's not for me. But I was basically politic, after a left, after a bend, after a ditch, the, the kind of the, the extreme right wing stuff, I was politically bereft for years, pretty much, um, politically agnostic. Um, the only thing I knew is it doesn't matter who you vote for you end up with a government and nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, it won't be a government that I like. Um, so I didn't even know what a libertarian was. I kind of came it by accident. Um, I got into a band in the 90s called Stuck Mojo and uh, they'd done an album and in the first segment of the album there was a, a, a shot of a, a talk show host called Neil Burtz and he was really giving uh, Bill Clinton a lambast. And I thought, oh, I like that. So I checked out his website, and he had like a, a little matrix, little question and answer thing on his website. And, you, and according to how they answered, you answered the questions, it told you where you were in this little political diamond-shaped matrix. And I kept coming up right libertarian. And I thought, that can't be right libertarian. It sounds a bit too much like liberal to me. Like, I kept Every time I kept trying, it still came up right libertarian. So that kind of got me thinking. and. At that time, the, the, the internet wasn't there wasn't too much it wasn't it wasn't as prolific as it is now in terms of libertarian uh, web pages and libertarian podcasts. But you know, I kind of stumbled through it, got some information, uh, and kind of regarded myself eventually as a classic liberal, um, and probably I've been calling myself a libertarian for about the last eight years or so. Stumbled across the libertarians in Scotland there was about four of us used to meet in the pub of a pub of a, of a Sunday uh once a in fact it wasn't even once a month when I looked on the libertarian website in Scotland there had been one meeting and uh, that was the only one that was on there and that had been a that, when I checked it out that was a year previously. Um, then I turned up to w- the one meeting that they did have eventually. And then it became a reg. we, we kept it going. It became a regular thing. Before we, we knew it, we actually formed the party. And, uh, and now here we are with a fully fledged Scottish Libertarian party of which I'm privileged to be the leader. So, yeah. And then met with Mr. Samaroff here and we decided it'd be a good idea to do our own podcast.
1: Yeah, that's,
3: that's great. great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say sorry i didn't mean to <laughs> i'm just gonna say and the rest is just history yeah, yeah right well i mean that's awesome i mean that's like exponential growth like um yeah what they say murray rothbard in the 70s there were 24 libertarians in the entire world yeah. so yeah there's, there's a conservative estimate <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, um, we, we kind of touched on this and this was on the, the agenda, but can you tell me a little bit about like the climate for liberty in the UK? I'm sure you get this question a lot. And then do you want to talk a little bit about how like you, the UK obviously is a bunch of different kingdoms. How does Scots see themselves in relation to the English? And I know, do Welsh people consider themselves English and how does that all fit together? Yeah.
3: Do you want to go for that? that. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll go for the okay. climate for liberty. Uh, yeah. It sucks pretty bad. Um, Scotland's is very left, especially economically, and ha- always has been, but in the past it at least was not um, very authoritarian in terms of foreign policy or um, civil liberties. It was a bit more um, civil libertarian than England, I'd say, bit less conservative on those issues. Um, now we've got all sorts of crackdowns on free speech. Recently, recently the government mandated that ter- that terms like "British values" can't be used in schools. Can't be used in schools. Um, the what else? I mean, it's they they put plain packaging on cigarettes and hide them away so you can't even see what uh, cigarettes are on offer in a shop if you ask. Um, what's the cheapest? They say I can't tell you what the cheapest pack is. You need to look at the price list. By law, um, there's you can't buy alcohol on a Sunday. You can't um, drink. You can't buy alcohol after 10 p.m. at night from a or be- shop, or before 12 noon, or, or before 12 noon.
2: They've just put a tax on sodas. You know, sugar, anything with sugar in it, they've just just put a tax on that as well.
3: You, uh, all the clubs need to close at 3pm, sorry, 3am, except casinos, which are allowed to sell alcohol until 5am for some reason. (laughs) Uh, Like, yeah, well, that's a great idea. If you want another (laughs) drink, the only place you can go is the casino. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know where the laws come from, but we can imagine there's some crony capitalism involved. In so many ways, the climate for liberty is poor. That's not to mention that, uh, as you know, famous YouTuber Count Dankula was, shared, was just sentenced for teaching. He's not been, been found guilty of hate crime? Hate crime, For teaching guilty. his girlfriend's hug to do a Nazi salute in response to the declaration Zeke Heiler gas the Jews, which, okay, admittedly is pretty unsavoury. Uh, it's, an, it's an untasteful joke, but it's really the best use of public funds locking people up for this kind of stuff. We have a free university education, um, and a lot of the, edu- the universities are teaching uh, bogus degrees that don't have any vocational output. Uh, all of the women's studies and feminist um, propaganda is being taught through them uh, out of the public purse. So people are being indoctrinated into this stuff. So I would say the climate for liberties are. Anything yeah. you should add? Um, well
2: you, you asked about you know the, the different the different aspects of the United Kingdom, Wales and, and so forth. Um, I guess Wales being a, a principality, you know, one of, they, they were kind of completely conquered by England, you know, way back when Scotland was never been, has never been completely conquered by England. We just kind of, we were worse. we sold out, we sold our, our liberty to the English, um, and, be, and, and became part of the, of the United Kingdom, uh, in the 1700s. But, uh, Ireland obviously fiercely, we're always fiercely independent uh, and and see themselves as Irish, not British. Uh, I would say most Welsh would probably see themselves as British, but Welsh, I think North Wales are more fiercely Welsh. The Welsh language uh, is more prevalent there than than it is in the rest of Wales. Having said that, Wales has a nationalistic type uh, party in power in their assembly. They don't have a parliament, they have an assembly. But amounts to the same thing. It doesn't have the far-reaching powers that the Scottish Parliament does, but they, but they have it. Northern Ireland has its own assembly. Um, so yeah, there, there is sort of a, a devolvement of power there that has been agitated for throughout the years. Um, and Scotland is becoming, it's, 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 it's moving more towards the idea of breaking, breaking away from the UK. Um, but it's what's being proposed is not independence. It's far from independence. They're talking about leaving the UK but becoming part of the European Union, which is insanity. You know, it's just, this is not independence in anybody's book. Well apart from in the in the, the idiotic minds of the Scottish National Party. So
1: uh
2: yeah, it's a it's a it's a cocktail of of dunces.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and well, so I, I wanted to touch more on the Dankula issue, but the reason okay. why I ask is because I was doing some studying of, you know, the Magna Carta and, uh, Bruce L. Benson's book, The Enterprise of Law. It's a terrific okay. unknown libertarian gem about how courts would work, but he spends a lot of it talking about the Anglo-Saxon legal tradition. And right. what I'm really, um, I guess what, what needs to be grieved is the loss of traditional British liberty in the Anglo-Saxon tradition and mm. seeing police officers spending all their time in Britain collecting garden tools and, you know, kitchen knives and stuff. And while, while there's real crime, you know, as yeah. you guys mentioned in, in London, there's the murder rate is higher than New York city. So yeah. what, what do you guys think about that?
2: Well, okay. First, in fairness, the, the, the murder rate in New York city has come down dramatically.
1: Has it? Okay. So
2: it, 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 it's not so much that the murder rate in, uh, the in London has gone up, but the, the murder rate in, in New York has come down. But it's still, I think, from the beginning of uh, this year, it's been thirty or so, around about that. Stabbing, stabbings. Yeah, it's it's usually usually knives, but there has been shootings. There have been shootings as well. So when the police have time and resources to spend uh, patrolling pit, uh, Twitter and Facebook, um, looking for people saying unsavoury things or online bullying, uh, which I, I don't know what that is. I don't know how you can bully somebody online. Um, maybe someday will enlighten me. Um, but while that, while they're doing that, there is actual physical violence and physical uh, crimes going on for which people are only lightly punished, if at all. So while, while people who are committing um, violent offences uh, can walk away with uh, a community sentence a community service, uh, someone like Dankula, who posts, which some people may find an unsavoury video uh, on YouTube, uh, is staring down the barrel of maybe a three year sentence. Yeah. You know? uh, which is, which is
3: insane. I think it's about £40,000 a year to lock someone up in the UK. Yeah. So, I mean, just the, expense as well of the trial to buy someone an apartment. Yeah. Just, just the expense
2: of the trial. Two years it took to reach this verdict. Two years, which is longer than Nuremberg. Uh, the New York <laughs> you know, uh, and, and that's a judge, a prosecutor, lawyers, it's you Just know. a
1: cash cow.
2: Yeah. seeing so, the
1: public purse. But he's
2: being sentenced this Monday coming. Oh, uh, so, so, it's,
1: so it's that soon, sorry. Yeah.
2: So we'll be, the, the Scottish Libertarian Party will be there, uh, hopefully in force. Um, to make her protest and make her feelings known about, uh, it, it's a, it's ludicrous that he was even ever arrested. And there's the, there's the other, there's the social fallout. I mean, he lost his job through this as well. Found it difficult to get another one. Um, some people would say, well, it's his own fault for posting the video. But, you know, it was just a video and it, what amounts to an online joke, whether you find it funny or not. He
3: wasn't even intending for the video to go viral or something yeah. like that. He just woke up to it going viral. You know, he just put it up for a laugh for a couple of his friends to see. He goes away on holiday. Next thing he knows, the video is gone exploded.
1: Yeah. Well, what is public opinion about this? Just the pulse of what people are saying.
2: Um, there are very few. I still talk to people regularly who have no idea that this is going on. It's the the the. It's pretty much been shunned by the mainstream press. Anybody who's internet savvy uh, knows all about this, and, and and anybody who's on the the manosphere or anybody who's in, in libertarian circles kind of knows about this stuff. But um, anybody who just relies on the mainstream media for their daily dose of bullshit. They don't know anything about it, you know?
3: Yeah. Um,
2: and then they'll still act with incredulity. You know, first of all, they'll say things, well, that didn't happen in Scotland. And you say, well, yes, it did. Then they'll say, well, he didn't actually get arrested and you say, yes, he did. <laughs> oh, but he didn't actually get charged. Yes, he did. Oh, he didn't actually go to court. Yes, it did. You know, and they, all through they deny this absolute denial that this is going on. Uh, but it is going on. It's a fact. Uh, you know, anybody can just do a five minute Google search and find out that the basic facts on it. Um, but by and large, the large our segment, our segment of the population really don't know that this is going on.
1: I don't know if that's better or worse, you know, because they seem to be incredulous that this is actually happening, but at the same time, if you don't know about it, you can't do anything about it.
2: Yeah, sure, but you know, it's... It's just people's laziness, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they can find out, I mean, I, I speak to people all the time who who, who continually ask me the same, you know, they, like when they know you're a libertarian, you get the usual questions, who's going to build the roads and all this kind of stuff. And the same people uh, are consistently
3: too lazy to do, to go on Google and just do some research. But, you yeah, know, the, the main one is, uh, who will protect against monopolies? It's like, why <laughs> yeah. do you type in libertarian monopolies and the, the other one well markets don't care about externalities even noam chomsky some people believe the greatest my, living mind uh, he goes well markets don't care about externalities it's like dude you're like 88 can you youtube libertarian externalities and listen to some of the responses to that why haven't you done your research
1: yeah so frustrating. I, mean, the, I yeah, mean, these are these are questions that's been answered over and over again by our yeah, types.
3: Uh, nausea. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And um, we've got a couple of good ones um, uh, with Scotty N. Do you remember what the first one's called? Uh, I don't. Uh, that's one of my favorite episodes of our show. Anyway, we've got a couple of shows with a guy called Scotty N. The second one is called The Myth of Free Market Monopolies. The first one is something about like what people don't know about capitalism or something like that. Those are two good episodes for our podcast where we debunk some of those myths. Good luck though. Yeah. yeah.
1: Awesome. I'll, I'll put those in the show notes page. I think this, okay, yeah, this should be coming out on tomorrow on Friday. So uh, we'll All do right, that cool. for you. So um, what do you, one thing I am curious about is what you guys learn about the, a, the Magna Carta and B, just about your constitution in general, because you know Americans, we have a really hard time wrapping our head around the concept of an unwritten constitution. Yeah. So, uh, do you guys want to say a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, when I was at, when I went to school, which wasn't exactly last week, um, they my history classes at school were pretty boring. They didn't give us much on Scottish history. They didn't. The only thing they gave us from British history was the Industrial Revolution, which, of yeah. course, was a completely slanted. You know, here, take these big spoonfuls of socialist theory, you know, and uh, Charles Dickens. You know, they, they talk as if Charles Dickens actually wrote reportage when he wrote his novels instead of just poverty porn for posh people. So it was like, um, <laughs> yeah. So with the Magna Carta, I don't even think we, we touched on it. It was mentioned, but we never done much. We've probably done more of a study on the American uh, constitution than we've done on the, on the British constitution. But you're right, we don't, we don't actually have a written constitution. It's a mixture of different uh, documents. It's a mixture of uh, common law, um, something called the Petition of Right that came in in 1628, uh, which specifies um, uh, individual, certain individual liberties that the Crown can't uh, infringe upon. Then in 1688, there was something called the Glorious Revolution, where uh, William of Orange came over from Holland. The, the Dutch call it a, an invasion, but we don't call it an invasion. We say he was invited over, uh, which he was. But anyway, uh, when he established uh, his government, they had something called the, the, the Bill of Rights, or de- the Declaration of Rights, um, which he signed to, which is basically about the sovereignty of Parliament. So Parliament is pretty much sovereign and the Constitution is basically whatever the Parliament says it is, you know, and any statute or act that they, they enact or enable, uh, will become part of the Constitution. Um, we had, there's the rule of law. That's part of the, uh, the constitutional thing. I mean, rule of law goes all the way back to Aristotle, obviously, but there's a, in Britain, uh, there was a Scottish theologian called Samuel Rutherford and, uh, he came up with this concept of rule of law in, in and in a way of rebutting the divine right of kings to rule. So that, in other words, law should be the ultimate uh, ruler of a nation and nobody should be above the law, including the, the sovereign. Um, in Scotland, we have something called uh, the claim of right. That was established in 1689. So that, that's basically the basis of uh, uh, Scottish constitutional law. Um, there are royal prerogatives. and the, 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 crown still has certain things that, that it can enable or enact. So they have certain powers, but mostly parliament is sovereign. Um, so it's, it, it's a bit of a mess. You've got Magna Carta, as you say. That was the barons when they fought against King John. Um, the whole idea there was for the barons to, to keep their own money. I mean, the, at that time, the king could tax them for foreign wars and force them to fight in foreign wars that were really only the king's business, i.e. the king would have certain claims to certain dukedoms or certain crowns in uh, probably France, and he would then force the barons and the baron's subjects to to take part in that war for the benefit of that king. So the the, the barons fought the crown, forced uh, John to sign the Magna Carta, uh, which was basically to say that the king could not force... uh, the barons to get involved in wars on his behalf. Um, and, and in Magna Carta, there are, there are the beginnings of certain individual rights and liberties for, for, for free men at the time, at least. Um, and as you'll know, you know, the Magna Carta was probably one of, one of the, the documents that the founding fathers of the, of the, uh, American, uh, constitution used for their, uh, for their document. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mess. And, and, and in modern times, we've also got the Human Rights Act of 1998, which incorporates some of European uh, constitutional law into that. David Cameron, uh, the previous Prime Minister to um, Theresa May, he talked, he made uh, a lot of talk about having a British Bill of Rights to replace the Human Rights Act. Um, but it never, it never ever materialised, and I haven't heard anybody speaking about it for some time. So yeah, the British Constitution there is one, but you're right, it's not written
3: down, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a mishmash of, of different documents. So yeah, yeah, and given that the Parliament can uh, declare anything they want to be part of the Constitution, it kind of subverts the point of the Constitution, which is to tell the Parliament what it can and cannot do. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean I think that people these days well not libertarians so but b- literally buzzed by a flying <laughs> the constitution is of just a piece of paper and it cannot hold back to the tide of government. However, I think these days people don't appreciate a lot of Americans don't appreciate what it means to actually have a document that says, yeah. This is what the government can do. This is what the government can't do. And people, and when people um, Go, oh, the constitution that's so old-fashioned, blah 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 blah. They don't really actually realize they're fighting against themselves.
2: Yeah.
3: And um, I think one of the things that's so important about the constitution is this idea that you have the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, or property, whichever way you want to read it. Like, because, because um, this is a historical document. A historic document for re- for reasons that people don't appreciate, which is it's the first political document that sanctions the end of the rights of the individual. Your pursuit yeah. of happiness, right? Your right to life and liberty. That's an individualist thing. Before that in history, no such thing. I mean, what are you talking about? Separation yeah. of church and state? Are you crazy? If if if, if if you let people speak blasphemy, then people will go, what the hell is the consequence of that? The idea that the individual should come first is not something often seen in history. and It was a conclusion uh, that took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to arrive at, yeah. thousands of years, and people don't actually realise that. I mean, I think
2: the beauty of your constitution for me is it's so simple and concise. It's such a small document. You know, The Bill of Rights itself is a tiny book. You look at something like European constitutional law, it's volumes and volumes and volumes, and it takes teams of lawyers to actually work it out. You know, a simple ordinary man can't actually work it out. Even if you look at uh, the, 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 the volume and the stuff that you have in British constitutional law, it's massive amounts. So it, it's just, uh, the American Constitution to me is a thing of beauty, you know. Uh, even that, to, to, when it says, you know, Congress shall make no law. You know, it's a, the very fact that it can say something like that. You shall make no law concerning the establishment of a religion. That, that's a that's a beautiful thing. And I think Americans should, should cherish it. Well, it saddens me when I hear people attack it. It saddens me when I hear people describe it as some sort of living, breathing document that you can just add to or subtract to whenever you want. Um, as Anthony said, yeah. that, that that completely uh, defeats the purpose of having a constitution in the first place. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And excuse me. That was a brilliant recounting. I'm, I'm really glad that we could go through that history of the British constitution. And, uh, I mean, being anarchists ourselves, you know, I've done a lot of work on the constitution of no authority and how, you know, the document is flawed because we're always just standing there holding the bag, scratching our heads, wondering what went wrong with our minarchy, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but it's easy to throw out the brilliance of the constitution Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that it is important and it does, it is the, you know, the pinnacle of hundreds of years of struggling for liberty. And, um, it's, it's funny to kind of look at it and see what the problems are with both the British side and on the U S side. But one thing that I really did appreciate, and I, this is my textbook. I don't know if you guys know, Anne Leone. is she a, a known scholar or a known name?
3: Uh, I I can't. Yeah, it's uh, the first. time yeah, I've heard. It's first time I've. Okay. okay.
1: I didn't know if she was a prominent scholar or, but uh, she, she maybe has. Yes, don't
3: take
2: her ignorance over her. As oh as sure. As, no. as, yeah, yeah. I mean, did she she may, may, maybe but People I i'm
1: Salary fits. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, one one thing I th- I found very interesting in my class because I, I I wrote a big long paper about nullification in the United States mm. and then. In doing so, I learned that one thing that the founding fathers were doing, like Thomas Jefferson in particular, he was writing to King George, asking him to assert his power as the monarch to help mm-hmm. the Americans, because the Americans were hearkening back to the, the liberties that they saw that they had as Englishmen. And, yeah. and so just, just I want people to realize that, you know, a lot of us a lot of what we hearken to is from, you know, the British tradition and the yeah. Anglo Saxon tradition. So yeah, yeah it in it's interesting. Um,
2: yeah, it's interesting what you say, but I mean Lysander Spooner as you know, he he didn't have a lot of good things to say about yeah. the Constitution. <laughs> I think while you have a government, mm-hmm. your best defense against it is the Constitution. Definitely. While you yeah. have we all agree that it's probably best if you, you know, if the government goes. You know, government as a cancer, but while it exists, you better have that document because once it goes, you have you have no uh, lawful defense uh, against the against the government and its predations.
1: Hell yeah, it, it is important. Yeah, and I, you know, trying to like Ron Paul always appeals to the Constitution, and I, yeah. my, I think that Ron Paul is a Rothbardian through and through, but he his. Right. His persona, his measuring power, you know, is um, just that appealing to conservative Republicans who, who like yeah. the Constitution. But
2: um, I mean, I think it's important to mention as well that I mean, I'm sure you'll agree, the Constitution didn't actually give people any rights. Yeah, it only highlighted that these are the rights that you already have and should never be taken away from you. You know, that that's that's the interesting thing.
1: And people don't get that. I mean, they. Yeah. And and we we were talking I think I've always, I've thrown this out I guess a couple times in the show is that I got a I got a 5 on on the AP US History exam. So, high school students have a chance to take like um college courses when they're in high school and right. I got the highest score on the AP History test. Well, going through and learning the libertarian things, I didn't know anything. I mean I I knew their version of history, you know what I mean? Um but even yeah. even about the wars and stuff. So it's just what is what is the state in the UK? Is it very similar to the United States where people just don't know their history?
2: I would say pretty much, you know. Um I would say your your average citizen is is fairly ignorant, you know, um of of their of their own history and why it matters. Um and as I say in school, if I, if I relied on what I was taught in school uh, for my for my history, I, I wouldn't know anything. you know, it's, it's they really didn't teach us anything that was controversial. Uh, it was all pretty much stuff that was. I mean, we we got the, the some some agrarian stuff, like I say, the industrial revolution. Uh, we we learned about some. <laughs> Ancient dude that they found in a peat bog and the in, in, yeah. in, in, in or something like that. You know, we'd, we spent days, weeks, you know, learning about this guy. You know, the whole thing was supposed to teach you how to dissect history and how to, uh, how to approach it, but it was pretty useless, and I thought. You know, and I, I, I love history and I loved history, but it's like everything that I learned in school it almost put me off. You know, I got Shakespeare at school and it almost killed Shakespeare for me. It was years later that I revisited and found I loved it, but the school almost killed it for me. And it was it was the same, sadly, with history. So, unfortunately, yeah, we, we don't... People are not super aware of, uh, of what their history is and why it matters. Now,
3: most people don't remember anything we learned in school anyway. I mean, we did First and Second World War, pretty standard stuff. And I think we got that much... That broad history, yeah, personally. and it's,
2: it's it's pretty much you know the uh, you know the Marie Antoinette thing. not let them eat cake, but you know let them eat soccer, let them eat uh, you know what do you call that shit? TV show or the, the talent show? All these ta- endless talent yeah. shows and X <laughs> yeah, X Factor. Yeah, like yeah, you go, lap that up, take big spoonfuls of that shit. Yeah, you know, that matters circuses. more. Yeah, bread and circuses, man. So that that stuff matters more to your average punter than uh, than history and and why it's important
1: yeah and i and and even so even through it and i was going to mention anne leone because i did an episode on on the the magna carta and and throughout i just found she was constantly belittling the significance of the magna carta and saying well yeah yeah, well you know oh well king john repudiated it right away and it didn't prevent the civil war that it was meant to prevent and Mm -hmm. you know so and it was only for the barons that didn't protect any of the free men or any of the peasants who yeah. were under their thumb. So it is learning about history. And, and And Lysander Spooner would say that essentially what the Magna Carta did was take away the executive power of King John to carry out yeah. the laws. And yeah. it's not that he could legislate all he wanted, but when it came to the executive power, that was lacking. So... Yeah, it was just super interesting. And well,
2: Magna Carta is the the beginning of it's the beginning of the end of absolute monarchy. Yeah, which is important.
1: And and I I think the the interesting part about it too is that I found even with the Magna Carta they were still hearkening back to the freedoms that they had in the Anglo Saxon times. And yeah, um, it's just it's crazy that we're. You know, a lot of people say that libertarians are forward looking, like Mance Rader. He's made this point, but I would point to that and say, you know, all these documents are harkening back to, you know, a thousand years ago. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I did have a specific question, uh, for Anthony about, uh, mm-hmm. one of my listeners. Did you, you got mm-hmm. that part?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, why didn't you read that
1: out? Sure. So, um, Here's a question from Matt in my MeWe group uh, through the group chat. He says, a great podcast I heard about from Tom Woods. <laughs> I would ask if Anthony has made any progress on the environmental issues, particularly his ideas of reducing the amount of recycled waste material to start with and new ways to view garbage collection aside from municipally granted monopoly. Um, let's see if there's anything else. The municipal negotiation, oh, that's just his local stuff. So, yeah, how, how's it going on that front, Anthony?
3: Right. Well, I still collect, um whenever I see anything relevant, uh, I collect articles and bits of information, which I one day hope to be putting together in a short book called The Free Market Happy, which is my idea for a book on, uh, free market environmentalism, the libertarian approaches to saving the environment. In the meantime, if you go to my blog and um, seeing not seen blogspot com, you can click on a tag that says environment or environmentalism or something like that, and there's a bunch of articles on on libertarianism. Uh, I've not blogged for quite a long time, but I will come back to it at some point. And uh, the book, the truth is, the book's on hold because there's other stuff I need to work on first. I um, well, can you recommend a book called Procrastination Annihilation.
2: Yeah. It uh, i help you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not procrastinating on it. I've just got some things that are of a higher priority. And to be honest, it would end up being quite a big project. So I'm doing smaller things first. Work. Give me some time to build up to it. This is, of course, in reference to an episode that I did when Tom wasn't available called, um, I think it's on YouTube, under. Only capitalism can save the planet. Socialism will destroy the earth. But technology does make me quite um, hopeful because I've heard of things like these toilets, which they're uh, developing for the third world, that don't need any piping, they don't need any water. They like flash evaporate the urine and create these little packets of urea which can be used as fertilizer. They burn the poop and it creates enough energy to... Um, to light an LED bulb and, and things like that. And imagine that this is the controversial, not for us, but for most people, imagine the government had not provided municipal water, right, and said, you're gaining your own piped water is your own responsibility. Maybe these toilets would have been invented 50, 100 years ago because they're so much less um, labour-intensive than the... Than then put pipes, and yeah. uh, and and you know maybe people would be harvesting rain off the roofs instead of, you know, it's amazing what we don't have because the government does it, right? Everyone thinks without government, how would you have a flush toilet? We might to have something a lot better than a flush toilet by now. So, yeah, well, it's,
2: it's interesting when you say about harvesting the rainwater off your roof or harvesting rainwater. Uh, I know that, I don't know about in the states, but I know in the, in the UK, if you if you if you harvest. Water, uh, the 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 water board will come and they'll want to charge you money for harvesting rainwater because the theory is you're taking water that would otherwise go into the you know the water table and be shared amongst other people. So that, yeah, even if you catch rainwater in a rain barrel, they want to actually charge you money yeah, for no, catching your own
3: water. I think it's no surprise. I mean, similarly, if you produce your own electricity, you're obliged to sell it to the electric grid. That can only mean one thing. You're getting less than the market value of that energy. Yeah. They're not going to oblige you to sell it to the grid if they're paying you more than the market value. So that leads to a conclusion, which meets me to the conclusion that without the government um, mandating that, a lot more people would have, say, solar energy. like to be able to sell it to someone. Yeah. So, um, We don't know how much the progression of green technology has been held back by government. People think, oh, the government will subsidise green technology. That's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, if it's not commercially viable yet, the green subsidy makes it commercially viable and therefore removes the incentive to innovate. There's so many things that can be said in free market environmentalism. We, I Recently, I stumbled across a video on YouTube from about 10 years ago by... Um, I was at the Mises Institute, Floyd Lilly, the economics of recycling. Anyone who's interested in some controversial facts on recycling, that
1: was a good one. No, that's awesome. And um, <clears throat> I, uh, it is illegal to collect rainwater in the United States. <laughs> wow, really? And... Um, <laughs> well... Uh, Yeah, it's crazy just to see how free market can help the Mm -hmm. poor people and in third countries and the environment as well. And, um, Mm -hmm. one thing that I always think about is that donor C app that Mm -hmm. Tom Woods had on his show, just it like an Uber style charitable. Uh, app where you can donate to someone in a third world country and you get to s- they send you updates through the phone you get to see exactly what they bought with the money and i just love that because it it brings the, humanitarian- the humanitarianism back into it if you can make this personal connection with someone you feel good they feel good they get something i mean beautiful just beautiful yeah yeah
3: yeah, and an interesting point on in the rain harvesting thing, is like why do we filter all of the municipal water when a bunch of it's getting flushed down the loo? Should we not like get filtered water for drinking and like rainwater for flushing the toilet? Or something like that, you know, could be well, one, it's, it's just a waste of resources. Yeah.
1: Well, one thing I really worry about and one thing that isn't discussed in the United States is the our aging infrastructure and it's the hidden infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And One thing that I've heard is that city water is absolutely contaminated with prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. If you take any sample of water, um, you know it has uh, what is it? Anti-cholesterol pills and high blood pressure medication in the water. And I, I
3: I gay frogs, man,
1: gay frogs, exactly. (laughs) And
3: Yeah, yeah, you should definitely go on Amazon and buy a water filter jug. Uh, it might not take everything out, but it'll take some stuff out. And if you're drinking government water, well
1: I would trust it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We use a Brita filter, so it, it gets yeah, some things, likewise. but we're we're about to move out of the city and so I, I can't wait for that <laughs> in okay. a couple months here. But yeah, so just as we're closing up, because I gotta run to class in about twelve minutes, but Okay. Um, Anthony, you wanna talk a little bit about be yourself and love it?
3: Oh yeah, I've got uh, another podcast in addition to the Scottish Liberty podcast called Be Yourself and Love It podcast. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's all on personal development topics, just stuff that might interest you and taking your life into your own hands, uh, being a heroic libertarian, a uh, Howard Work or uh, um, what's he called? Hank Reardon, R- and Rand style, uh, Dagny Taggart. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. I sometimes int- interview personal development experts and vice versa. But the one thing, if you uh, you should, you can get all links to our show and my show and other resources that I'm involved in by downloading my free book, Procrastination Annihilation, from be com forward slash do it. And uh, it's a free ebook about 25,000 words long, only takes two hours to read, and it's very useful. And it's got links to all of my work and yeah, the stuff that we we're involved in too. So you can find all of our links in
1: there. Awesome, yeah, and I'll, I'll include that in the show notes page as well. But Tom, are you involved with that at all?
3: No, not so.
1: That's, uh,
2: that's 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 Anthony's side project. That's his solo project. My, my, yeah.
1: <laughs> right on, my, yeah. My,
3: Right, uh, side
2: projects. He's got more side projects than Phil and Selma. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> we'll, that. <laughs> well okay. sure. but the ones that do get it will
1: <laughs> is, is there anything that you wanted to plug, Tom? Just anything you're involved with or your involvement with the Scottish LP?
2: Uh, well, if, if there's any viewers who know anybody in the UK or they're in the UK or in Scotland and they, and they feel strongly about the Count Dankula thing, this coming Monday, as I say, he that he's due to be sentenced. Uh, I think it's half past two. Uh, don't quote me on that, but um, it's it's in the afternoon anyway, and we will be there uh, t- to make our protest peacefully, of course. Um, so uh, get get your ass to Airdrie Sheriff Court in Lanarkshire if you're if you're in the UK and 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 you hear this, uh, and if you're in the UK again, if you're if you're not a member of uh, the Scottish Libertarian Party in Scotland, then. Uh, why aren't you? you? know, Get get yourself a membership and then yeah, and support the party the meetings. and come to the meetings that we have once a month. You can find us at www.scottishlibertarians.com.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So uh, it's been a great pleasure to have you on. We got into a lot of really good topics and I hope that we can pick it up again sometime in the near future just sure. to shoot the shit a little more. But uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. And uh, once again, for the audience, the show notes may be found at libertyweekly.net forward slash 70. So thanks guys.
3: Thank Thank you so much. Have a good day. Have a great day.